The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Hi, Head and Heart Workers. Sierra here. Obviously, you can probably tell that I have lost my voice. It's actually day four of my voice being MIA. This is the best I've sounded. So in light of this, we're going to take a sick day today for the first time in JBU history in the last five and a half years. And we're going to air one of the Patreon episodes that we put out earlier this year. It's a great episode and um, it gives you an opportunity to get an idea of what our Patreon episodes look like, feel like we often check in and answer a question just like we do on our primary episodes. If you want more of this exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. But in the meantime, enjoy this episode. It's a good one. I promise. I love it. I picked it out myself with the help of some of our patrons and I will go back on vocal rest. Welcome to Just Break Up, the Patreon edition. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to be answering a letter about grief in relationships. Yes. But first, we're going to check in about um, something, <laughs> the, an epiphany I had earlier this week. You know <laughs> so what many telling, epiphanies was, in your life. <laughs> yeah, they're awful. They're ha they're haunting me. Um, you know what I was saying the other day is that like, one day in the future, I was talking to Willow about like way future planning and like, you know, one day this podcast, spoiler alert, this podcast won't exist forever, you know? <laughs> sure. And I was saying like, man, when it's over, I will 
I'll miss it. But more importantly, like there is a, there is a, a well-worn path in my brain now when I have an epiphany or a thought <laughs> or a life experience, I often immediately think, oh, this would be great to talk about on the podcast or I'll share this on the podcast or I'll unpack this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for years after we're done with this show, I will, that will be my path in my brain. So for I will sure. think of you all for years when <laughs> this is over in the future. <laughs> when we retire, whenever that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. A little bit of backstory. I, uh, I was putting my daughter to sleep um, a couple nights ago. And randomly earlier that day, I had thought about, you know, the first couple of weeks that she was born and how my mother was staying with us to help to help us adjust and how she said during that time that I was a natural. She said, oh, you're a natural at being uh-huh. a mother. And it made me like sing. <laughs> it made me like glow. <laughs> every, every cell in my body was like, oh, my God, my mother is complimenting me genuinely. And it was... I was not only really touched by it as a new mom, um, having my mother like echo back that affirmation to me, but the fact that it was my mom <laughs> who mm-hmm. is not particularly um, affirming or, or vocal in her love and that and how I grew up really wanting that all the time. Everything about it made me feel great. And to this day, I think of that and, and, and cherish that memory. Um, and so that was like, kind of in the back of my mind. And as Sam alluded to earlier, joked about, I'm just processing a lot in my life these days, going through a little bit of postpartum anxiety and still adjusting to parenthood and um, just, just fucking one of those seasons where you're like, there's so many new pathways in my brain. (laughs) Um, So as I was putting my daughter to sleep, I was thinking about that time in my mother uh that my mother said that and like how good it made me feel and how if she said things to me like that all the time how full and and light and glowing I would feel all the time mm. like if my mom regularly said oh I think you're such a great podcast host or wow you're such a great partner or, or you're such a great daughter I'm so proud of you you know like if she said those things to me more often how like, I don't even know. I would like glitch. <laughs> I'd be like <laughs> overwhelmed with love, you know, or like good feelings. Um, and so I'm like patting my daughter's back thinking about this in the dark, you know. And all of a sudden I had the most simple epiphany because I was imagining what it would feel like to routinely hear those things from my mom. And then my, and my epiphany was, well, you could just like pretend to be your mom. You could just like, what would it feel? I like, I like almost gamified it in my mind. Like, what would it be like if for, I don't know, not forever, not even for a month, but for like a week, you talk to yourself the way your mother would in this fantasy, like mm-hmm. this made up mom, you mm-hmm. know, where that mom always says what you want to hear, you know? And so if it, if it's a game, I know this is very simple, but I'm just trying to explain my weird thought pattern, <laughs> you know, at seven o'clock at night when I'm putting the baby to bed. Uh-huh. Um, like, you know, for a week, what if it, I said to myself, oh, I'm a really good podcast host. I'm a really good 
daughter. I'm a great daughter. Uh, I'm so proud of myself, you know, and the reason why I wanted to share it, even though it's so simple, you know, like, of course we want to be spoken to with love, you know, like the love we crave. Mm -hmm. The reason why I wanted to share it is like, it created an equation for my brain to, to fill in this blank. Like I struggle so hard to feel a sense of ownership or authenticity when it comes to kind words to myself. Like I, Mm. they always feel fake. Like I can give them to other people, but when I try to trying to say, Oh, I'm proud of myself about myself. It feels very unnatural. But if I gamify it, if I pretend, if I, if I pretend I'm being a character, you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh It like, it, it gives me a script. It gives me, it gives my brain a way to relax, to be like, oh, no, no, you don't have to hate yourself. You're just pretending to be your mother, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but, for, but for some reason, that, like, makes sense to me. Like, okay, instead of, like, negative self-talk, I'm going to pretend to be my imaginary mother who would affirm me. <laughs> that sounds so fucking bad shit, but it just makes sense to me, and it makes it makes accessing that script of love somehow and for some reason easier. So that's what I'm trying to do this week, friends. And I'm not trying to do it forever. I'm not trying to do it for a month. I'm trying to do something really attainable, Mm -hmm. but you know, (laughs) I'm just, just trying to rewire that pathway in my brain that always goes to negative self-talk and instead practicing going somewhere else. And hopefully after a week, that practice will feel a little bit more familiar. That path will start getting more Mm well-worn. And all of a sudden, hopefully I'm not going to have to pretend to be my imaginary mother to be nice to myself. (laughs) But if that's what you have to do, that's okay too. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a, this is just another opportunity for new perspective. Yeah. I mean, we have to find it in whatever way works for us too. Right. right? Like there are some people who I'm sure, um, have other ways of doing it. And like yours is like, okay, I'm just going to pretend to be the mom I never had. (laughs) I'm just going to say nice things (laughs) to myself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like it, but it's about like disrupting those, like those in those I don't know what I'm trying and to say. And I think, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, those, <laughs> it's like stepping the, the, off like the rut or the track that you're on yes. and just being like, yeah. even if it's just like, just like shoving you off the track in some way, yeah. just to be like, go in the woods. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, better yeah. in there. <laughs> and I know that like on the show and in my life, I've often said like, speak to yourself like you're a child or, or nurture your inner child, yada, yada, yada. And that like makes sense to me, but I couldn't ever feel it. The difference was I had just been thinking about the literal glow I felt when my mother made me feel good. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was literally in, I was picturing that embodied joy that I felt when I was fully affirmed by her in that moment. And then I'm like, okay, well, what would make me feel that way? Or if my mom made me feel like that all the time, what would that be like? And then all of a sudden I kind of have that blueprint for that feeling it's not just like oh you're okay little sierra that doesn't mean anything you know instead being like what would make my body sing with praise and affirmation that what what would my mother say that would make me feel that way again say it to myself now pretend that i'm my mother you know Mm -hmm. again sounds a little weird but 
it opened a doorway in my hair, in my head somewhere to be like, it, it can be like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had therapists who have walked me through something very similar where it's like this thing happened and then you're like, Oh, this, my parent didn't respond in the way that I wanted to. And then it's like, well, what would you have wanted them to say? And then like, can right. you say that to yourself? And it's like, yeah. Oh, I could, but I wouldn't believe it. Cause it's from me and exactly. I'm like a skewed exactly. narrator. And it's like, um, so are my parents. Like they are not, they are not yes. reliable people. Exactly. That's why I pretend to be my own imaginary mother. <laughs> Which apparently totally 100% sane. But again, it's not like, it's, it's not like, it's not even about like how it's happening. It is just the act of disruption, the act of exactly. like that, like that narrative exactly. of like, my thing is like when I'm lying in bed in the morning and like beating myself up for no reason and then being like, okay, well you can't do this anymore. You instead have to like say all the things you're grateful for. And is it yeah. like, does that gratitude practice like fill me up and like do things? No, but it like disrupts. It is now the like trigger for me to like stop the negative self-talk and go think yeah. about something else. And yeah. like, that's the thing I've found that works like 50% of the time, but like it doesn't, whatever is the thing that helps you yes. to get off of that, that path is really the thing that you need to be doing. So if it's pretending you're your mom and giving yourself compliments, like I'm on board with that. Like if you believe your imaginary mom more than you believe so yourself, in, like it sounds so unhinged, but the one thing I will say to anybody who was like, maybe this will work for me, you know, think about what it feels like to be fully and wholly affirmed or like think about what it feels like the last time you got a compliment or a, you know, seen or affirmed in a way that made you feel really good. And then be like, well, what would it feel like? What would I need to hear to feel like that all the time? Or what would I need to tell myself who would I need to hear it from? And then I don't know, pretend to be them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, for sure. I like it. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, I think, I think through the process of doing all of this self-work, I've like, I have intentionally changed some of these thought patterns. Right. And like tried to be like, okay, you're being really negative. Like let's do something to like compliment yourself or whatever. And then I wouldn't believe it. Right. And then eventually I got to the point where I was like, I keep doing this practice and I keep not believing myself. So what would it look right. like if I actually chose to believe yes. myself when I was saying these things rather than just saying them out of rote. Yes. And I was like, Oh, I just have the choice to do that. Interesting. Okay. Like I thought it was like so unavailable to me. And then I was like, oh, actually I get to choose what I believe yeah. about myself. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just wild. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it was this easy the whole time. Did not feel easy to be clear. Like no. it was like no, not, no, no. not easy. None and still easy. sometimes it's like not often easy, but like it was such a profound shift for me when I realized that all I had to do was start believing the nice things I was saying about myself. And I was like, Oh, is that it? Is that really, that's really the thing I've been resisting for the last 34 years of my life. Yeah. And I just have to pretend to be someone else. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> pretend to be someone else who's complimenting me. Yes. Cause their compliments matter more. <laughs> uh, okay. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Yeah. And I'm on a journey. <laughs> yes. I won't finish that joke. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, if that helped you, I'm so glad if it didn't, please enjoy my mental breakdown and let's get into this week's letter. <laughs> let's do it. All right. This letter comes from sad. <laughs> 
whose pronouns are she, hers, who's writing from the South. I love that that emotions have pronouns, you know, like, <laughs> if this isn't a letter writer. Sadness is for sure a she, her, let me tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know what I mean by that, but. <laughs> I don't know either, but I'm into it. All right. Sad writes, dear Sam and Sierra, I've been a f- listener since episode one and catch every episode twice a week. This podcast is such a consistent comfort in my life, and I'm so, so grateful. The week before Christmas, my fiance and I had to say goodbye to our beloved dog, Seuss. Seuss was a big, handsome pit bull and was around 11 years old. I had found him on the streets four and a half years ago before my fiance and I got together. Seuss was my whole world. I loved him so much in a way that's impossible to explain. And he truly was the silliest, most lovable guy. He has left a hole in our family. My partner loved him just as much and his dog, Haley, another senior pity, the two of them were like an old bonded couple, has been very depressed ever since. My partner and I are grieving together, which is a situation I've never been in before and I'm finding it difficult. Our grieving styles aren't matching up sometimes. For instance, he has developed a need to spend more time at home with Haley, whereas being at home makes me horribly sad and I want to go out more. Some days, one of us is having a harder time than the other, or one of us is trying to lighten the mood when the other just wants to sulk. What's even more difficult is that even though we're both grieving and Haley and Seuss were both our dogs, Seuss was my dog first, and I desperately needed and I desperately need taking care of. Only my partner is also a grieving mess, so it feels like there's no one there to support me. A small part of me feels resentful sometimes because I feel like my grief should be prioritized, especially when he needs caretaking from me, and I feel like I can't do it. Neither of us have much emotional capacity to caretake for the other. Together, we're very lonely and just sad grieving messes with not a lot of support. Our house is so gloomy these days. My question is, how does a couple grieve together? What do we do to cheer ourselves up? We've created this bubble of sadness, and if we don't try, it just consumes us, and we don't leave the house. I'm worried about us. Both our families are out of state, and we don't have a ton of friends that have been present lately, so we don't have a great support system. We are so, so sad. Thank you for reading. We are usually so strong together, but this feels like uncharted territory. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I 
love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't, want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Uh, Thank you so much for writing, for supporting us on Patreon and trusting us with this letter. Um, You know, there's nothing like the loss of a beloved pet. Uh, I think because they're animals, we like, we culturally like, oh, they're our family. We love them. They're our fur babies. And then when we grieve them, we're like, oh, well, they're just animals. I shouldn't be hurt this much or my grief can't take up this much space or be this loud and messy, but I'm here to tell you it absolutely can be. I mean, grief, who are, who are we to police our own grief to Mm -hmm. make it um, fit some sort of universal box for every, every being Um, losing a pet uh, irrevocably changed me. And Mm -hmm. I, just want to say that your grief is real and valid. And um, I am so sorry for the loss of your beloved family member. And grief is such a hard emotion to navigate in all iterations of it. (laughs) Yeah. And also in pairs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, my experience is that everyone's experience of grief is really different. And some things may feel familiar to some people and some things may not. Um, 
and we can't have expectations that we are going to know how to do it or that we're going to mm-hmm. navigate it super well. Uh, and it becomes much more complicated when there's multiple people in the mix, right? When it's yeah. not just, you know, I've said this before, like it was, it was so much easier to understand what I was supposed to do when I lost my dad than it was yeah. to understand what I was supposed to do when Peter lost his mom. Because yes. like being at the center of the grief was like, cool. This like, great. I mean, it was not cool, but I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's all you about me. You are. I like, mm-hmm. I'm at the center of this, like all of it. And when Peter lost his mom, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm on the periphery. I don't, and I don't know what my, how close I'm supposed to be to the center. I'm not sure how far I'm supposed to be from the center, what I'm supposed to be doing about it. And I losing, uh, the pet, you're like both of your pet at the same time, I can imagine must be so challenging to navigate what it feels like to want to be at the center and recognizing that there's like somebody elbowing into that center mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. To say like, I also need help here. And you're like, no, I need help. And it's like, well, who's yeah. supposed to help who? Because like yeah. we're both messes at this moment. Yes. But again, it's like, I think that the like Instagramification of mental health has created this understanding that grief is supposed to somehow be profound <laughs> or mm. somehow supposed to be pithy, right? Like we're supposed to be in it and be like, oh yes, it like, it ch- has changed me and I've learned so many things and I'm on this like journey towards healing or whatever. But my experience of grief is that it's like not profound. It's just painful and weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, it just sucks. It just, it just sucks. And the idea that we're somehow supposed to like navigate through it well is like such a lie because it's like, how the fuck are you supposed to navigate through something you've never been through before? And also the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Um, So I just want to like create space for the idea that like, I don't know that there's a good way for you two to be grieving together because I don't know that there's a good way to grieve because it is so painful and challenging and hard and you're always so unpracticed in it. So I want to just like say that like, however you two are navigating this together is probably going to be a helpful way of navigating. And there's probably room for you all to set some intentions about what is like okay and not okay for you as you navigate this grief together. Yeah. I, you know, the thing about grief that comes to mind while I listen to your letter, um, is that like grief in itself demands presentness. It's like, pay attention to me now, pay attention to me now. This is all encompassing and it's taking over everything. It's making me agitated. It's making me sad. It's making me needy. It's making me isolated. You know, all of these, it requires, it demands presentness. Pay attention to me now, even though the thing grief really needs is time, you know, So it's like this duality between like, this is the most important, most paralyzing thing in the moment. And the thing that soothes it is going through it. It's time, it's perspective, it's practice without that thing that you lost, you know? Um, And I, and I wanted to say that because I hear some things in your letter that I know as an outsider in three months, six months, nine months, a year, they're they're not going to feel so close to your face. They're not going to feel so heavy on your heart. And yep. I don't mean that in a trivializing, like it gets better kind of way. But I know 
from my lived experience that it's the grief is demand is almost placing grief is making these temporary inadequate or, no grief is making the temporary incompatibilities between you two feel really hard yep. and really big and yep. really present in this moment pay attention to me pay attention to these incompatibilities yep and are they hard absolutely are they challenging incredibly so are they going to feel like this forever absolutely not this For sure. is this hardship is temporary. And I don't say that to wrap it all up nicely into a, a Hallmark card, but what you're going through now is just the beginning of this grief tapestry that you're unfolding, right? Yep. And you're going to unfold it, unfold it, and you're going to feel different textures and different parameters and different challenges and and you're going to keep unfolding it. And all of a sudden you're going to look up and think, oh my God, I can't believe I started unfolding it. However many yards that way, however many months <laughs> ago, did we lose this treasured um, family member? Um, yeah. I like, for example, you feeling like it's difficult to navigate who is taking care of who or, or um, your needs right now. I'm not saying those those incompatibilities aren't important and aren't worth tending to, but I'm also thinking that they feel particularly big and hard right now because it's what is being brought to your face. It's, it's what being it's what is being put shoved in your face by grief. Grief is saying this is impossible, mm -hmm. but I know it's possible. I know it's possible for you guys to to navigate some of these rougher waters, you know, yeah. just, just sticking it out together. Absolutely. I don't know if that I makes think, sense. No, I, I agree. Cause I think it's your grief telling you if your partner was better able to take care of you, this wouldn't hurt as much. Yes. Thank right? you. Thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, that's not true, right? Like your right. partner could be the best taker carer of, and like you are <laughs> <laughs> and like, you would still feel this immense grief because the thing that's making you feel the grief is not this like incompatibility with your partner. The thing that's making you feel the grief is the fact that Zeus is gone right? That's the thing that's making you feel this upset and this agitated and this discombobulated and this, this dysregulated because yeah. this, this wonderful creature who you loved so dearly is gone, is gone forever. And unfortunately the work isn't trying to make yourself feel better, right? The work is actually to recognize that the thing to do is to start figuring out how you're going to let go and move on and accept the reality that this beloved thing or this beloved creature, this member of your family is no longer with you, is no longer part of your family. So right. I want to just sort of hold the idea that of course, in this relationship, you can ask for what you need if you need something different from your partner. And of course you all can figure out like what grieving looks like for you. And if there are things you want to change about it. And I want you to not use the measure of, I feel good about what's happening as the thing that you're striving for. Mm. Cause you're never going to feel good about it. This relationship is not going to feel good for a while and not because there's anything wrong with it, but because nothing's going to feel good for a while because of right. the fact that you just lost a dear member of your family. So 
I guess my advice to you is like, of course, if you need more attention, like you can ask for it. And also your partner may not be able to give it to you, but that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your relationship or that you're grieving in the wrong way. It just means that life sucks right now because of the situation that you're in. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Sam and I have gone through different, uh, grief required experiences over mm-hmm. the last couple of years in our partnerships. Um, and so I'm sure you relate to this, Sam, probably, um, never mind. Um, but I'm sure you relate to this, uh, you know, something that I've learned in my marriage, uh, with, you know, our ectopic pregnancy loss and, um, and grieving some other, like my birth experience and stuff like that, like yeah, that you have to, it's, it's not about, like you said, it's not about finding a way for this to feel better. It's actually about feeling okay with it, not feeling right and not feeling the same as your partner. Like, I feel like I've gotten Ooh, yeah. so comfortable because it was my body with our ectopic, um, and because we gr- all grieve differently, you know, Willow and I moved through the world differently after we had that pregnancy loss. And I think I, I was forced then to get really used to the fact that sometimes I would just have to say to her, like, oh, I think I'm just feeling another round of sadness or I'm feeling another mm-hmm. round of envy or I'm feeling another round of grief. And I got unfortunately used to being like you're here and I'm here and that's okay. Or, um, I think this is showing up for me in this way still, or, you know, again, not trying to find, not, not making my relationship be the thing that writes me like writes my ship, you know, but instead my relationship is, the horizon, right? My relationship mm-hmm. is the thing that's steady and allows me to say, well, I'm feeling really stormy today, or I'm feeling really dried up today, or I don't know how many water metaphors I have. But, <laughs> um, and this is all to say to sad, uh, I think you should practice saying where you're at, you know, oh, I'm, man, mm-hmm. I, I, I still miss Seuss today. Like I'm feeling it so heavy today. Um, or I feel like we are missing each other this week or we're, or we keep bumping heads this week because we're both dealing with our grief, just saying it right. Instead of trying to make it right, just make it known, you know, make it shared and said that like this grief is here. Name that grief, you know? Absolutely. No. And you can also say in that too what you need in that situation, right? And you can say, you know, I know that for you, like staying in is the way that you want to handle this. And for me, I like need to get out of the house. I need to, I need to be doing something different. I need to be not constantly reminded of Seuss while we're home. Can we agree to go out tonight and then tomorrow we'll spend a night in, right? I, being in grief, processing through grief as a couple also requires 
being able to communicate about like what you're going through, like being able to say some of these things out loud, which is so hard because half the time you don't even know what you're going through. <laughs> like that yeah. is, that yeah. is really real. And also like asking for what you need, being able to say like, uh, I just need to be in bed for the next three hours, or I just need to get out of the house or whatever it is. And then also finding ways to flex and shift towards each other. Because yes. sometimes it might be like actually going out sounds like a terrible idea, but I understand that that's what you need. So like, let's do it or whatever it is, because none of this is going to be perfect because you're two people who are grieving the same pet for sure, but grieving in completely different ways with yeah. completely different experiences of what it means to lose somebody who's deeply important to you. Yeah. And uh, one more thing I want to add, and this is, I can, I think I can only say this because I'm an outsider because I'm a stranger, you know, and that always, that gives us the gift of perspective that we often don't have when again, that pain, that grief is saying now, 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 this is a problem now, pay attention to me now. Um, I know that it's really confusing, uh, that your partner is grieving this animal that you had, longer, you know, like <laughs> yep. I, I, our, our grief and our pain want to like make sense of things. They, they want to put them in a hierarchy and be like, Oh, my pain is bigger than your pain because mm -hmm. I knew Sue's longer and he was actually my pet, you know, first. Um, but I, I want you to picture you and your partner and your, your family, you know, six months from now, you know, nine months from now, I want you to picture yourself in the future where the hierarchy of this grief doesn't matter as much, isn't being um, brought to the surface so immediately. And instead, you two are looking back and saying, look at that heart. That was a really hard season of our life. That was a mm. really hard loss to navigate that we're still navigating. I think picturing yourself in the future where you two survived this, where you two made it there, the, the size and shape of each other's grief, it doesn't, it matters less. What mattered is like Sam said, were you, were you able to ebb and flow for each other? Were you able to listen to each other's needs, communicate your own needs and find middle grounds when necessary? Um, I know you can, get there. And I know it's going to be hard. Um, a couple months ago, we said goodbye to my wife's dog, um, Nev, who she had for 16 years. Um, and I found myself, Oh my God, this is so funny. I found myself saying to her what I wanted somebody to say to me when I lost yeah. my dog several years ago. And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll end by saying that to you. Um, it's okay. If you're sad about this forever, it's okay. If it is always hard to think about and you always miss them and it never feels peaceful. I think the thing about pets, um, passing away is that we do all that we can to make it peaceful for them you know, we hope, we hope that mm -hmm. it's peaceful for them yep. and that they're no longer in pain or they're not suffering or they're more comfortable this way. Uh, but that sort of peaceful passing is 
just for them. It's, it's never peaceful for us. <laughs> not truly, not in our hearts. Yeah. Um, it can be peaceful on the outside, but it's always painful to say goodbye to someone you don't want to say goodbye to. Yeah. So I just want to say you have full permission from me to be sad forever. <laughs> you have permission for me to grieve forever, to let this grief be big and loud and messy and imperfect. It's never going to show up perfectly. Your partner's grief is never going to show up perfectly. Um, but I also want to say uh, it won't feel like this forever. You're going to wake up in 30 days and maybe you're going to cry because you're still going to miss that dog. Um, but it's going to feel just a little different, you know? Yep. yep. Um, yeah, we're sending you our love. I, I hope this rambling thing <laughs> makes sense or gives you any solace. <laughs> right. <laughs> I felt like we were all over the place, but I feel really passionately about what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Absolutely. Um, all right, my darling, uh, uh, we love you. We're sorry for your loss. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing and for supporting us on Patreon. We love you. All right, pals. Thank you so much for supporting us here. Um, we love our patrons so much. And we're really grateful uh, to be doing the dang thing with you all. <laughs> remember. So true. <laughs> thanks. Uh, remember, it. you know, I would, I would place a wager that we all have some sort of hurt or grief that we carry around in us. And we're carrying it around because we want it to make sense one day. We want it mm. to be resolved or to be just or to be rectified or, or to be affirmed in a way that makes it hurt less, you know? And I guess I just want to say sometimes it will always not make sense. You know, sometimes it will always be a wound um, because, because life demands that of us. Life Life will take from us even when we're not ready or uh, even when we don't want it to. And sometimes healing can come from just recognizing that it's okay if it if it hurts a little forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if all else fails. Just break up. <laughs>